They're taking Cherubin parts strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So obviously I said, mate, if you drink that latte out of that avocado skin, we cannot be friends anymore. Uh-oh. What's going on? Smith. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's quick, go. Quick, quick hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome aboard the tinny where Timmy and I are shaking our heads about and just trying to get over the the bong residue of last week. It was a big session on the bong and we're still feeling the after effects to some degree but sharp as tax we will be by the time we get into full flight to bring you the good oil from around the fishy holes, the fishy hot spots and the good oil information wells of the Northern Territory. This is Tales from the Tinny, coming to you central from fishy headquarters beside me. Loins girded to within an inch of his life. Timothy Moore, how are you, mate? I'm well, Robert. It's about the light and the shade on the tinny this week, fishos. Dichotomy. The elation and the earth-shattering heartbreak, the bittersweet toin costs of luck and of fate whenever we step aboard our tinnies. One man stumbles across a new dew fishing technique that's completely revolutionised his fishing. I thought they were fish and I dropped the jig down and they were. There's hundreds down there. In the boat, eight and probably lost 20. Over what period of time? Two and a half hours, got sick of it, just went for a drive catch some tuna, then come back and they're still there. It's unbelievable. Woohoo! Why is it that the bill fishing is just so good this year? We had two up. I hooked one. My mate hooked and dropped one while he was clearing another line. He had another line taken, fed it, hooked it, jumped around, lost that one too. Three quarters of the way into the fight, I actually saw another free swimmer off to the side of it. So he had one sitting on a spin rod and he threw it out in front of it and ate that too. Yeah! But on the other side, Robert, of that bittersweet toin coin toss. Have we not already learnt that after the pride cometh the fall? The first drop, 68 centimetre Red Emperor. The trip was going really, really well until we started catching some sharks. It's pushed the blade off the top of its head, which has slipped through and just cut three tendons, two nerves and an artery. Ouch! <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of bad luck. And it's a real life nightmare for this bloke. Last cast of the day. My heart shattered, man. You would have heard it from Darwin, eh? It just broke. One of the best and worst days of my life right there in about 20 minutes of itself. Oh, no! I don't know. The the roller coaster of emotions that we've had in front of us. Strap in, Vishos. It is the toy cost of fate and the toy cost of luck. Which side is it going to fall for you this week on the tinny?
Regurgitated. Well, I've never seen anything like it. To get Barra and Dewey's on alternate casts using the same lure, and at one stage it was just vertical jigging six foot under the boat. You literally lift your knot of your lure out of the water for your leader line. Barra and the Dewey's are stalling together. It was wicked. He literally hooks a bar, drops it, then hooks a Dewey like two minutes later, and then I'm beside him as he's fighting his Dewey. I'm like, form onto another barra, get busted off. He's letting his 99 go, and I hook another Dewey, and it's out of control. They were just going ballistic. You'd think like you'd try and hit him that hard on the hookup just to try and stun them a little bit. Oh, it was wicked. Tales from the Tinny. Time to go down to a long-awaited chat with a most valuable correspondent. Warrender with the Ayatollah of the DKVR. The man who actually taught us that after the pride cometh the fall, taking out the Pussycat Flats Invitational Camp Draft... <laughs> And then the fall. Oh, and then the fall. The most confronting photo of the bruised ass up on Facebook over the last couple of weeks. It offended many. No doubt it offended your sensibilities too, Warren. How is the bum? How are the injuries? Yeah, afternoon, fellas. Yeah, it's getting better. It's slowly repairing itself. I'm back on the saddle again, so that's one good thing. Um, But it's still fairly bruised, and I've got some rather... Uh, disgusting hematomas, I suppose, still stuck there, so it'll take a while to go away, they reckon. The, yours has been a journey that really <laughs> fits beautifully to the toy costs of fate and luck. Uh, listen, Warren, when you chuck a 20-cent piece in the air, what do you call it? It's a coin toss. Of course it is, Tim. Now, what the bloody hell's going on with toin costs? Have I been saying toin costs? You've been cost? saying toin costs. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Warren understood. Right. I don't know who got kicked in the head by the horse, Warren. I think it might have, yeah. I think it might have been Timmy. Well, look, in the great, yeah, I reckon so. in the great toin costs uh, of life, Warren, you've, you've been up, you've had a major fall, and then just, just this week, haven't you taken out another camp draft, another win at Borrelola? Yep, yep, I won the incentive maiden draft down there on the weekend, which well was pretty good. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get back in and have, a, have another ride, and um, everything went all right. I didn't fall off, which was <laughs> which was the main thing that everyone was expecting to happen. So, um, everything went well, and um, hopefully, it'll be uh, better and better going out to Timber Creek next weekend. Actually, to do another draft out there. So. Looking forward to it. Well, while you're headed in that direction, mate, let's get out of the saddle and, and have a look around yep. the, the Timber Creek Vic region. How's it been fishing? Yeah, it's been really good, actually, because we haven't had a dry season so much um, for the last couple of weeks or so, even three or four weeks, and I don't know whether people have even noticed their pool temperature, but my pool has certainly risen in temperature, and once I noticed that, I, I sort of realised that the water temperature must be coming up too. So everybody's talking about um, you know the good fishing that's been out on the Vic. The only thing that's probably a little bit hard obviously this weekend we've got big tides but also the winds come back through again now too we've got a bit of a southeasterly and a strong wind warning's been out for the roper golf area but the vic's been fishing really reasonably well there's been lots of mud crabs out there they've been doing really well on mud crabs so if you want to take your pots out with you at the same time set them while you do a bit of trolling and and uh, live baiting if you want for barra and dewfish uh the salmon are running really good out there at the moment as well so you've got a bit of a an opportunity to not just target barra but you can target other species of fish while you while you're out there as well i tell you what even though you've you know you've had the reins in your hand your finger is seriously still beyond on the piscatorial pulse well yeah i'm waiting to go I'm, i just can't wait for the opportunity now to get out and have a fish myself because um it, the temperature and everything's working in the right direction at the moment so all the billabongs have been fishing really well kakadu has been going exceptionally well and so is up all the upstream 
freshwater sections of the rivers as well. Even Catherine River, they've been catching the odd barra in there at the moment. But definitely upstream, because of that water temperature rising again, all those barras started to come back on the bite again. It's really been a symptom of this hot dry, hasn't it, Warren? Because mm. across both the major harbours, Darwin and uh, Bino Harbour, been hearing consistent reports of really good flats fishing. The water's not too hot over the flats. It seems just about right from mm, what everyone's saying. Just yeah. right. Just like right. in the nursery, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So everything's sort of been working really well for fishing. Uh, and the wind's been fairly good as well. It's just come back in and again now. But prior to this, um, everything's been falling into place perfectly for getting offshore or even going into the rivers and chasing barra or any other species of fish that you want to target at the moment because it hasn't had that snap cold weather that we've um, normally get to see sometimes during the dry season we get two or three weeks in a row of fairly cool weather which knocks that water temperature down really quickly whereas we've been gradually having build up build up build up build up and it's getting better and better as as we get further and further into the build up now because that's the next thing that's going to be coming along is um we're going to be talking about how much build up and how long is it going to be before we get any rain Mm, now is that going to be a factor the fact that we haven't had the cold and going straight to build up will that have any effect do you think I think it will. I think, you know, the, the fish, and I was talking to um, some people from Charles Darwin University who have been doing some fish sampling on, or barramundi sampling on the Daly River, and they were talking about all these small juvenile fish that we've been talking about, and they're reporting them fairly slim and thin in their uh, health at the moment, which is a little bit concerning because they're saying that there's so many of them in the river system that they've possibly chewed out most of the bait and they're now starting to show signs of uh, losing weight and suffering, suffering a little bit from not enough food in the system. So when it gets a little bit hotter and that water temperature starts building up in the billabongs and there's lots of bar, little bar in the billabongs, we might see a lot of um, problems with either oxygen coming out of the water and, and getting those fish kills in some of those billabongs when that early rain comes. So hopefully the rain will come in one big hit and wash those out and open up those billabongs and we won't have them because... One of the things this year is the recruitment, if it can maintain itself or keep themselves alive, we'll have some really great fishing in the next two or three years to come. Good on you, Warren. And for now, anyway, we will know them as the the Goldilocks zone, where the billabongs <laughs> mm. and the flats, the temperature is just mm. right. Just right. Exactly. Good Sounds on you, perfect. Warren. All right, boys, all the best. Link, like, Comment, post, 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 Yes. He's got an inner crisis happening yes. in his life, Tim. Yes. It's, it's the, the ratio of the process, the preparation of the process versus the reward is starting to disturb him. It's, get, it's getting out of balance. The Jewfish Jamboree, which has just been running like a, a non-stop raving kiddies dance party, it just doesn't stop. And, you know, Russ has been dancing his little feet to a, to a pulp. Mm. But he's getting to the stage now that the preparation, he's got to put the work in to buy the petrol and then prep the boat and then the travel time over. And then he gets over there and he's bagged out in 10 minutes. 
What's up oh. like to do? Oh. All that preparation, looking forward. And to... it's all over and in it's ten. it's all over. It's like a pop balloon. Like he's trying to eat as much dewfish as he can while he's there. So he does the right thing. He's not bringing it home. Yeah, too much ecstasy at the dance party. <laughs> You're peaking I, too early, mate. I think he needs to go on a fast for three days. No. Fast himself and the crew before he goes. Or go somewhere that's crapper fishing. <laughs> you know, where he takes half or three quarters of a day to find the fish. Gets the odd ock-ock. Or, you know, a little stripey. <laughs> then it'll feel good when you get the dewies. Anyway. You as poor thing. <laughs> you poor thing. The dewies obviously, have been going well. But he's also been getting some barra over there as well. Like the reports from Russ are just a little bit repetitive, really. It's just get over there, smack them, come over. The weather's been a bit ugly, though. Katrina filed in on the app a couple of weeks ago, had caught that Mac, basically by accident, at Town Hall Hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't know what to do with it and had to hack it apart with secateurs pretty much to yeah. get in the esky. Return of the Mac, she posted into Facebook this week. Town Hall strikes again. She let hubby have a go this time. We went out to town hall, hold, hold, toin cost with a toin cost to fish the turn of the low. There was a lot of action on the sounder, but we were only getting little fish, so decided to use them as liveies after one little fish got smashed on the retrieve. We kept losing the fish though. The mackies seemed to be smart and know where the hooks are, and you know destroyed one of our traces. Finally, with one little red fish, Dan chucked him over. Within a few meters, he was on. And again, before he'd been able to flip the bail arm over. <laughs> Can't use the language that accompanies that sound effect. Maybe you do the beeps. <laughs> when you down. He fought it for ten minutes, and they finally got a look at it. That foul hooked it through the petrol fin. So he was crapping himself that he was going to lose it. But as you can see by the pics on Facebook, they got it in. It was a 130 centimetre fish. Spaniard. Bloody good Spaniard. Absolutely over the moon. Good on you, Katrina. Andrew Gray. And, and Dan. Andrew Gray. Return of the Mac indeed, he says. Another picture on Facebook. Caught yeah. in Bino Harbour on Saturday. Just gone. 140 centimetres to the tip yeah. of the tail. He, he took Katrina's and raised it. Oh, he's six foot two. And this is a stonking Spaniard. 147 centimetres. It's huge. Seven centimetres. You can see that pic on Facebook too. Uh, Woody got in contact too. They uh, they had the Raf Darwin versus Raf Tyndall comp over the weekend. It was on Bino, wasn't it? Raf Tyndall took it out. Oh, so, oh, hang on. Is there some information? We need? One of our favourite competitors. Was was he on? Was PD on board, Tim? Daryl. Still more barrow than PDP. That's that's the one, Tim. How did he go? Champion angler. What? <laughs> Champion angler. All it's... those hashtags across the world are about to be deleted. All those memes are now redundant. Petey must be just strutting around that oh, base. No. Time to get your own back, Petey. Cock-a-hoop. Cock-a-hoop. Champion angler. Good bag of Mackies, Trevor, Barra, and a 92-centimetre queenie. Uh, good mix of fish across the board. Pelagics seem to be everywhere, they reckon, out the front of the harbour. Lots of bait balls, some of which so dense you could almost walk on them. Um, Petey would have walked on Woody, them. <laughs> yeah, because he's God. <laughs> um, Woody reckon. Um, Barrow were a bit scarce, only eight weighed in, but all good healthy fish, biggest 75 centimetres. Lots of blue salmon as well, good size, around 50 centimetres. And a fair few goldies, mostly mid-30s, sort of pan size-ish. And the odd 50 centimetre or so. Biggest fish of the weekend. 
here we go again. 136 centimetre. Mackie. Good fishing. Good fishing. You can give us a hoy too at fishing at abc.net.au or on Facebook. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. G'day, I'm Brad from Humpty Doo, and last weekend I caught a $10,000 barramundi. It was a bit of a story though, we'll get into that in a minute. It was at East Alligator River, me and my mate Jethro went fishing, we went out at probably midnight on Saturday night, didn't get back till 6 o'clock Sunday afternoon, just fished the whole time. It was a bloody good day, good adventure, good trip, found some new spots that we'd never seen before. We were fishing all night and it was really, really good. We were getting lots of barra and sort of closed down early in the morning, sort of through the day. And we were getting the shits with it a bit actually, but we decided that we'd go back to the rock wall on the way back to the barrage and just have a little flick pass there on the way home. And it was pretty well last cast of the day. One of the little barra baits right in on that rock wall and just letting it sink and all of a sudden it just went started pulling string out of my hand, I f- shat myself, wasn't ready for it after 24 hours of fishing, went to chuck it in the boat, he's passed me the net over, I've just looked in it, man, there's a red tag in this fish, and he's looked at me and gone, get f-. He's looked straight in it and just started screaming his little head off, because we only just registered for the million dollar comp a week before this trip. So it was sort of fresh in our minds that that this was happening, you know. I was still in shock. Like, I sort of just was sitting there looking at it, just staring at it, thinking to myself, this can't be true, this can't be true. Pulled it out, and lo and behold, it had on the tag, million dollar fish competition. Just been tagged, it was only a 57 centimetre barra, so we checked the tag, and it was from this year. So, well, we took the photos, we did all the stuff, put it on the bag mat, the whole works. Went back to the boat ramp and we were just pulling up the boat and the ladies came down and asked us, oh, we're catching fish, so we've pulled it out and shown her. And then she tells us, you know the comp doesn't start till October the 1st. I sort of just sat there for a second. My whole face just went numb. (laughs) I just didn't know what to say. My heart shattered, man. You would have heard it from Darwin, eh? It just broke. And uh, it it was... one of the best and worst days of my life, right there in about 20 minutes of itself. And what about your mate? How does he feel at this stage? Um, well, he was still ecstatic. He still thought that somehow we were going to get something from this. And I, I was still throwing it up in my head. Was it August 1st? Was it September? Was it October? Just bought the new tinny and my missus has just had a um, little baby girl. So when it happened and, and, you know, we were actually catching fish and then this happened, I thought all my Christmases had come at once. <laughs> the stars are aligning. Yeah, you know it. I thought, you know, I'm going to go buy a lotto ticket. As soon as I found out that it was this year's one, I rang up the Million Dollar Barra people just, just for hope that they might actually put another one back in and replace the one that I caught. And so what did they tell you? Basically, they said that I'm too early for the competition and they're going to want the tag back. You get nothing? I get nothing. What were your options there about actually claiming the win? Well, I was thinking of trying to freeze it, then cut out the glassy eyes and like try and replace them with fresh ones. I was thinking <laughs> of trying to 
catch a new barrow around that same size and re-tag it. Whoa, 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 just, let's go back, go back to the eyes for a minute. You're going to keep it, cut the eyes out of, an, of a newly caught barra and insert them in the frozen barra. Yeah, yeah, try and make it look a little bit fresher. Wow. <laughs> what has this done to your inner spirit, your desire to keep fishing? Mate, I'm a broken man now. And I think it's going to get worse this year as the year continues. I think everyone that gets caught is going to break me every day, every time. So, yeah, not very good at this stage. There must be, you know, a little bit of fear that this episode's going to repeat itself. I think that I'll be able to um, do a little bit better this time if I did catch another one. You've got a tank prepared at home? I, I do, I do. All right, so they want the tag back. What are you going to do? You're going to eat the fish? Yeah, mate, I'm going to cook that fella up straight up. (laughs) Well, Brad, best of luck for the rest of the comp when it starts. And if you choose to pursue one of these creative uh, methods, then all power to you. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Tales from the Tinny. Ripped off. Ripped the hell off. Isn't life cruel? He was told by the million-dollar fish people that they couldn't tell him if it was ten grand or a mil. Do you really you want don't to, want to do know? Do you really want to know, Brad? But surely they could have said, oh, hang on, boy, what about an esky? There's lots of eskies at, around, you at see? At the very least, Brad, on behalf of the church of Tales from the Tinny, uh, to you, um, Crown Bet, to you, Tourism NT... To you, gods of fairness. To you, gods of fairness. The very least you could bloody do is give the man an esky. You give him a beer. For honesty, at least. I mean, you know, he could have just held that, ripped the tag out, put it in a, and got ten grand or a mil. He, but he was honest. You know, he could have, and he now realises. Just With some regret. Just shut the hell up to October the 1st, mate. He probably thought... Just I'll say get- nothing. Oh, oh, I got one! I'll get at least an esky, surely, for me honesty, because honesty gets rewarded in this world that is just and true. No, it's not. It's a bloody travesty. He's he's so traumatised, he's even, even considering running a... a running t- for council? Running... <laughs> That's the way to make change, Brad. Get into the halls of power. Make a difference. You get an esky there. Oh, yeah. On the taxpayer's purse... No, he's, he's so traumatised he's even considering running a, a Tom Cruise uh, operation like in Minority Report when he rips his own eyeballs out and puts in someone else's. How was that effort? I'll just take its eyeballs out and put in some fresh eyeballs. That's a m- mark of the desperation of the man. He's gone mad. He's gone mad. He's been sent over the edge, pushed over the edge by the injustice. The photo on Facebook you can see was obviously taken before he got the bad news, before his world was shattered. But thanks for sharing your pain, Brad. Don't miss a moment of Tales from the Tinny. You can always download this whole show or any other episode from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app or your preferred podcast provider. G'day, I'm Em Melville from Marlowe's Lagoon. Em, you've been stacking up a couple of back-to-back weekends with Hubby and the kids down at Fog Bay. We have, we have. So the last two weekends we've been down to Fog Bay. First weekend, really rough, 
actually ended up being overnight on the boat. So we left on a Saturday and headed out um, to Blaze, um, lots of snapper there. I uh, went out to Sail City. There was football fields of splashing, tuna, mackerel, and they weren't shy. They were just coming up to the boat and you could just drop your little jiggy jig down and, yeah, get them from under the boat. We actually caught the tuna and then we used that as bait. Snapper love it. How did the kids enjoy that? We've got the stabby and there's like a little hatch up the front, so they're just pointing, there's the fish, there's the fish. So, <laughs> yeah, they were loving it. Has there been a progression with the kids? How old are they now? And let's give them their names. Yeah, so Daly's, um, he'll be three in October, and Pippa's just turned four. So they've been uh, with us since our newborns on the boat, so they're starting to really get into it now. What sort of games are you running on there to keep them occupied? Because let's be honest, fishing isn't enough to keep a three and a four year old excited for a whole day. We have building blocks, we have the good old iPad that keeps them entertained, however Pippa gets motion sickness so we've discovered the old Finergan helps with that motion sickness, makes her a little bit drowsy too. Uh, would, for someone who's a little bit ignorant, what the hell's Finergan? It's a three year old shutdown medicine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well that's right, we hadn't given to them before and it did shut them down. So it's a medication? It's a medication. It's over the counter though, so it's not oh, like you need really a prescription. Oh, bloody hell, I thought it was some sort of board game or something. Keep up, Robert. <laughs> I get motion sickness too, so it's kind of like, well, if I do, she can too. And a bit of cubby action going on too. Yeah, yeah. So um, if we don't take out the big boat, we have the barrow boat, which is my husband refuses to put their canopy up. So we have fitted sheets with pegs and we make makeshift cubbies. What sort of a hard taskmaster is this bloke, Emily? Call a spade a spade here. He's a whipmaster. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter if there's kids, if it's hot, if it's rough. Be quiet and fish. <laughs> Be quiet and fish. Get on with it. Toughen no, up. No canopy. It gets in the way of my casting. That's exactly right. If it was him, he'd have no canopy at all on the boat. So did they get into any fish? Daly doesn't want to bar it at the moment. He's only two, so he just wants to look around. But uh, Pippa has a little rod set up, and Daz made her a little makeshift fishing rod with a sinker but a fake little hook on it. And she just looked at Daryl and said... Daddy, there's no meat. So she knows. She wants She's the bait. Right. Yeah, she wants the bait on there. She did really well. She caught a couple of stripies and she that by the end she was calling the fish when we were pulling them up, like stripey, goldie. Um, so, yeah, very exciting for her. But last weekend when we went out, completely different. Tides were a bit neeper. We went out to Blaze straight away. Couldn't get anything. Uh, went out to Sail City then and they were just shy. The tuna... They were just little packs, and as soon as you get near them, they'd sink, so we couldn't get in. I think we got one or two, but nothing like the week before. Any thoughts as to why that might be, Em? Smaller tides, maybe. That's the only thing we could think of. The water was similar colour-wise. We headed actually into the Finnis to, for the night because the weekend before we slept out in Fog Bay and it was not pleasant. Camped up there for the night, and that's where we caught the big dew that we got. A couple of little dews, but then we caught a lot of catfish in between. How big was the dewy? A metre eleven. So to catch that in three metres of water was, yeah, like a freight train, so it was good fun. Daryl was, um, oh, I'm tired, you know, I'll just lie down with the kids and by that stage... Just so he's a bit in. hard and then a bit soft, Daryl, isn't he? He needs some finergan. Yeah, well, <laughs> well may, maybe. Any barrel? Yes. We call our savvy craft the station wagon, so it was christened, so we caught two barra. Now, uh, we've been uh, sinking the boots into Hubby, well, because he's not here. Yeah. And because um, he deserves it. And because he deserves it. And you have right a reply, Daz, but right now you're copping it, fella. Where is he at the moment? Oh, he's having a lazy day out at Bino. Ah, work day. Okay. snuck out of the office. Good being the boss, isn't it? Exactly it. So let's see how he goes on these big tides out there.
I fish, therefore I am. That being the case, what the hell am I when I'm not fishing? Hmm. Tales from the Tinny. Oh. We've got a few fishos questioning this very thing. Timmy, we've had Russ questioning his delight in the Jewfish Jamboree. We've had Brad questioning his existence after the, mm. the cruel mm. twist of injustice that has been dealt to him. He's scared to go fishing anymore. So what is he then? If he can't fish... He's a fish, nobody. He's a nobody. If you can't fish, what do you got? Same as Russ, he's doing all that prep, doing all that travel time. He can only fish for five minutes. What happens then? What, what? am I now? What am I now? You've got Downtown Abbey on Netflix. You've got computer games. And you've got hanging out the washing. Yeah, there is the questioning of your existence. That's Just it. It. That's it, eh? And what the hell am I? What the Why am I here? Beryl? Beryl! I need... Beryl! I need help, Lifeline. Help. Shady Camp boat ramp on the uh, the good news, though, Robert. The lift spirits is looking like it's pretty close to done. Woo! Almost two and a half million bucks. Gets you a 60-metre dual-lane ramp with slip-resistant concrete. Supposed to be done by next month, they reckon. So if you're planning on hitting it, you know, in the build-up, you're a lot less likely to go arse over tit or have the four-wheel drive sitting in water as you launch. It's steeper, you know, so it makes launching easier. Uh, you can check out the drone pics on Facebook if you want to get an idea of, of how it's looking. Yeah, Fant is looking for your opinions too. Keen to, for you to have a say in a land claim down around the Fitzmorris. Uh, it's a claim which relates to the bed and banks of the river. If you fish down that way, Afan is very keen to hear from you. They need to get an idea of how many fish there, what changes to access could mean for you, etc., etc. Give Afan a bell. 89456455. The other bit of news over the week for hunters, waterfowl hunters, magpie geese shooters. Whoa, this hasn't gone down well. Has it not? They've reduced the minister has has saying the mag is saying the magpie geese population is seriously depleted. Seven hundred and twenty-five thousand, they reckon, which is a, about almost a fifty percent drop on last year, and only a quarter of the number. Like there were three million in twenty twelve. So they've cut the season back to eight weeks, but the real kicker is only three geese each, from ten to seven to three. Whoa, that's going to hurt. Here's another. If I'm not shooting, what am I? I've done all this prep time. I've travelled all this time. I've banged off three geese. Now what am I going to do? I can't do me washing. I can't, I can't pay me power and water bills. I'm not interested in downtown Abbey on repeat. I don't want to play bloody Patience or whatever the, the new age version, whatever games, you know, those crazy shoot 'em up I oh, see, would a shoot 'em up person playing a shoot 'em up game on an iPad or something would just be a cruel, like... Pale, like, you know, crap. Oh, the real thing. Grand An iPad doesn't give you recoil, Tim. <laughs> no, it does not. There's no kickback. 
But Grandma Moore, who, to bless her soul, if she was still alive now. Why old Grandma Moore? Firm but fair, Grandma Moore. She'd be about 110 now if she was still alive. She she played patience, bro. That is, that's like generations ago. Pre, pre-war. pre What are we doing? Uh, what's patience, what's the, the car flogging one? <laughs> Pre-war, Rob. What's the car flogging one? The oh, Grand Theft Auto. Oh, the car hey. no, That's mate. only 20 years old. No, that's two or three generations oh, right, back. Okay. It's not going well for me, Tim, really, is it? No. Anyway, look, it's down to three per day. Ouch. Bart Irwin, who we talked to a bit, and no doubt we'll talk to again soon from NT Field and Game, has called it a brainless and ludicrous decision and is certainly going to be putting a major dent in my magpie goose and chicken sausage supplies this season, Robert. I'll be keeping them all to myself, so you'll be getting jack. <laughs> there you have it, Fishos. Want to make commentary on the news of the week? Or share some of your own. You can do it via Facebook, ABC Tales from the Tinny. Or message uh, us via fishing at abc.net.au. G'day, I'm Josh Kerr, talking with the boys from the Tinny about billfish in the Territory. What were the stats on the last trip, Josh? Uh, I think we ended up 13, 12, 5, four sails and a black. Pretty impressive. Yeah, no, it's pretty impressive for fishing up here. Um, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, chasing out of it, but this year is spectacular compared to many other years, that's for sure. You know, traditionally the run of billfish off Dundee is early in the year and they're normally quite small, you know, 8 to 12 kilos roughly. Uh, a lot of singles, you don't see a lot of packs. All of a sudden this year there's big numbers, big fish... Um, you know, your average might be 15 to 20 kilos and you're seeing multiple attacks. You know, might get three or four up at a time. Let's work through each of those differences separately then. Firstly, are they in different areas? Are we seeing them closer or wider or congregating in different places? Uh, yeah, we're probably fishing wider, but not much wider. Probably five to 10 to 12 kilometres and not necessarily straight out. It might even be just a little bit further south than where we have worked in the past. It does seem to be fishing the traditional areas where you're fishing on the witch's nose, and I normally fish a little northeast of there. But we're a little bit wider, and the fish are much bigger and much more free swimmers, yeah. And hanging around in bigger pods was the key to this year. That's significantly different, Josh. We very rarely saw pods, and if you're lucky, you got two. But what I've seen this year is you can have two, three, four, and we've actually landed more multiples this year than I've ever seen. You know, and I've done fishing in Broome and off Groot where they get pack attacks all the time. This year we seem to be seeing exactly the same action that I've seen elsewhere but never in the Territory before. Can you have a rough guess of what sort of numbers you're seeing in those packs? It's a very exciting word, pack. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, well, they're a pack feeder. Yeah. You only need to look on any of the National Geographic scenarios where they feed in a group. And I could never understand in the Territory why we got so many singles. It's because there's got to be mates with them. Whereas this time they come up and the beauty of having a pack attack is they become competitive and they all want to eat something as opposed to one that can have a look around. So why are we seeing that this year? Um, My theory, and it's only my theory, is I think we've had an influx of western water. You know, our water traditionally comes down from further north, whether it's actually billowed in. And I've always thought that we never actually go wide enough. Traditional trailer boats and everything don't really let us to be go 100 k's wider instead of 50 k's wider. So I think the action is possibly always there. It's just a little bit further out than where we are here. Do you think those waters, warmer waters, I'm assuming, are bringing just the fish or is it bait fish that the sailfish and the billies are following? Oh, I think it's everything. You look for a big balls of bait, my experience with the ones here is that I think they'll eat that, but it's not their preferred 
source of it, whether they're chasing flyers or even a, like a sari type thing. I'm not sure because the fish I've seen feed, free feeding aren't feeding on the small pilchards that we see. Is that water a different colour, more turquoise or a, or a deeper blue? Can you identify it to look at it? Yeah, it's 100%. It's just deeper. It's a deeper, richer colour, similar to water that you get off the trencher up above um, the islands there where it's, it's just nice coloured water and it can get that deep in its colour that they're even hard to see in the water because the water is so blue. A lot of this is probably down to the fact that more people are chasing them in smaller boats now, your 16-footers, even 14-footers. Oh, yeah, I've seen plenty of them and good on them too. Like it's uh, sometimes that weather's a bit ordinary out there and they're getting belted around, but they're catching fish. So, yeah, having a crack. You know, yeah, who cares? So it's, it's definitely, yes, there is more people chasing them. You know, five years ago there was a relatively small crowd of us that chased them regularly, um, but having more eyes on the water, more people out there is more information. It's fantastic. So uh, talk us through a, a Josh Kerr standard operational procedure trip. <laughs> uh, I keep a boat in Cullen Bay so it's about an hour and a half to two hours depending on where I'm fishing from Cullen Bay to the grounds uh, we'll be there by 8, 8.30 gear in the water uh, and then start looking billfish tend to fish a little bit more business hours you can catch them very early in the morning and late in the afternoon but traditionally it's more around middle and lunchtime. and there seems to be bite periods uh, I love a low tide, but it doesn't necessarily mean much you, you can find them at a particular stage and then all of a sudden there's a big flurry of activity of the 13 you raised in the recent trip, how many of them were from the one pod? I think the most we might have had was three or four in one hit. You know, we, we had one episode there where uh, we had two up. We, I hooked one. My mate, we're only fishing two of us together there. He hooked and dropped one while he was clearing another line. He had another line taken, fed it, hooked it, jumped around, lost that one too. So we were two down and then by the time we got the rest of the gear in and sorted and settled down into a fight and about three quarters of the way into the fight I actually saw another free swimmer off to the side of it. So I yelled at him to come down and, and rig up a guard. Like we had one sitting on a spin rod and he threw it out in front of it and ate that too. So <laughs> and he ate, so that one's jumping around. We're all yahooing because we are on a double and then that one fell out. So in the whole time I had one on, he's hooked and lost three. So. This is like a definitive case of not enough hands on deck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right, you need more mates. More to come from Josh. I don't know if I can stand it. <laughs> He's got some thoughts which you'll hear shortly on why they're, why they're bigger this year and why they're feeding. And some, some really amazing examples of how they're feeding more aggressively. They're a lot hungrier, taking multiple baits, which um, Josh hasn't seen around these waters anyway in, in the last decade or so that he's been fishing it and obviously the reports on billfish just keep coming in at the moment Kieran Gillespie for example got 7, 6 and 5 sales oh, about a week ago a bit less just wider the nose again they got them over the morning most before 11 o'clock that sort of run of numbers has just become part of the vernacular oh yeah 12, 9, 8 yeah yeah 1, 1, 0 oh. eh. You didn't hear that a lot around the pub or the barbecue talk five years ago, did you? Unless you were talking bowlers figures in the cricket. Uh, I've been fishing this one spot for about six years now. Mangrove jacks, queenies, the whole lot. But I've never caught a barra. Decided in the morning, because I could, to go down and have a cast. And on the last cast, whack, and everything stops. It's like the world stops. By this stage, my tolerance is like commando style for midges. It was working all the way up the legs, the ankles. 
inner thighs. That pain went away when I slipped and cut my leg open on an oyster rock. That then became the focus. Continued to sort of slip down these rocks, trying to keep the tension, of course, on the fish. And then eased into the comfort of some cold mud. So I'm fighting this fish now at water level, which was the objective. Of course, when you go fishing like this and you haven't caught anything that big for six years, you don't take a landing net, uh, you don't take grips, you don't take anything. I did have a small pair of electrical pliers in my pocket, performed a little bit of surgery, walked back up my street holding very proudly a 73 centimetre saltwater barra. There was a trail of blood up the road. Some of the blood was the fish's and the rest of the blood was mine. But I tell you what, my chest hit the front door five minutes before the rest of my body. I don't think I've ever been so proud. I had cars pulling over saying, where'd you get that? <laughs> and of course the answer is very casually, yeah, just down in the street, like I do it every day. Little did they know <laughs> that was a six-year project. Tales from the Tinny. Looking out over Darwin Harbour and joined by Matt Kelleher, a.k.a. Matt Kell, whose hand is bandaged and has joined us here to watch the dolphins majestically swim by. Doing a bit of aerial work over your right shoulder there, Tim. As the aqua turquoise water laps at our toes, he's just returned from the latest surgical appointment. Yeah, g'day guys, getting the fingers fixed up a bit more from a uh, trip about two weeks ago. Uh, we headed out off Dundee in the evening and um, yeah, we're about 85 k's, 85, 90 k's offshore. Fishing was really, really good in the middle of the night. We started catching the first pull up, the first drop was a uh, 68 centimetre uh, red emperor. It's about as good as they get in these waters, mate. Yeah, she was pretty massive. Then on top of that, we started getting largemouth nanogais, uh, got a few good ones of those, and, um, and then some really, really big cod. And the trip was going really, really well until we started catching some sharks. Trying to get my sinker back because we'd realised how deep the water was. Um, we only had a few of these large sinkers and we didn't really want to lose them. So I was trying to get as close to the hook as I could with the knife and the shark was about a metre and a half to two metres long and um, it was thrashing all over the place. And as it's thrashed up, it's pushed the blade off the top of its head uh, straight into my hand, which has slipped through and just cut three fingers. And that cut three tendons, two nerves, and an artery. <laughs> uh, my mate said straight away, is that bad? And I said, yep. He's put a Band-Aid over the cut to try and... Um, <laughs> really? to try and that'll, that'll sort out the artery. Yeah, right. to try and stop that. And Did it, it give you a kiss on the forehead too? <laughs> <laughs> it was just spinning around. There was just blood everywhere. So he's just taped it and then bandaged it twice, and that seemed to stop it. And uh, he'd never really driven my boat before or any big boat like that. So he was starting to get a bit stressed because I was going into shock, and I told him that he's going to have to wrap me up and... Um, set the chart for Dundee and then head back himself. <laughs> so he started stressing about all of that. But, um, no, nah, he did really, really, really well. What did you think the moment you saw that knife slice your hand? Well, I grabbed it and pushed it against myself and then I stood up in the light and I looked at it and I could see all the fat and everything on each side of the finger. So I knew that was pretty bad. Because <laughs> I'd lost so much blood because it just kept bleeding everywhere. Like, Arteries will do that. Yeah. Um, I just started to feel really dizzy and sick. You were two hours into a two-day overnight, weren't you? 
So she would have been two days and two nights out on the boat. This is at two o'clock in the morning on the Friday night. Is there a positive to come from it, if nothing else, in the quality of fish you got in those first two hours? <laughs> in that very the... brief window? <laughs> That's bloody good fishing! Yeah, no, she was good, and I uh, got some marks out of it, so I'll be back out there again. Had surgery and probably 15 appointments so far, and I'll be probably seeing people three or four times a week from now on. Hopefully I'll be back on the water in a month or two. And will you be going straight back to that fateful mark, Matt? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> straight back. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a better trip than this one. We've got to give uh, kudos to your mate, who was up from down south, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was his first trip up here, so he lives up here. But yeah, that was um, Daniel Wilkinson or Wilco. So yeah, he did really, really well. Well done, Wilco. <laughs> yeah, he did well. What are the take-home lessons? Maybe just bring more sinkers out with me. But I reckon next time I pull a shark up, I'll be a bit uh, more hesitant, a bit scared, actually. (laughs) Bugger the sinker. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, Matt, everyone knows who has had their natural strong hand injured, there is always some issues in the smallest room in the house. (laughs) I guess there is, yeah. Um, Something to get... Ambidextrous? Yeah, you figure it out. Good luck with the recovery, Matt, and thanks for sharing your story. Sorry to hear about it, and glad you're okay. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that, guys. G'day, my name's Ian Norton. I'm one of the emergency doctors in the Royal Darwin Hospital. Recently, I was treating a man and his wife. They had been out fishing. I think they were well offshore. She had been just sitting at back enjoying herself on the boat, and he had put a live ear, a mullet, I think it was, onto a huge life hook. Had taken a big swing up, tried to throw it overboard, and this huge hook had gone into her scalp. So he had a live mullet on a hook in his wife's scalp. They turned around and uh, headed for shore. They came in here, the mullet was still on the hook. It wasn't alive anymore, but luckily it was such a fresh mullet, it didn't smell too much. Uh, we removed the mullet first, and then we managed to get the hook out of her head. She wasn't impressed. Fishing is not fun, it's not funny, it's a dangerous business. Tales from the tinny. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, ouch! It's about all you like tendons and arteries in your hands. Ouch! Photos are great though. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. You can see him at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook, and very timely to hear some sage advice from the man we always lean on in times of danger on the waterways or emergencies. Is Doc Norton? Oh, Doc Norton. Yes. Just speaking truths. Another mm. truth teller. It's not funny. It's not fun. It's a dangerous, dangerous business. When the bombs are going off, when the earthquakes arrive, Doc Norton is on your side. When woman gets mullet in head, Doc Norton comes to the rescue. G'day, I'm Chris, and I've been doing a bit of dew fishing. Go to Nycliffe Boat Ramp, sit on about 60 k's an hour, and it takes about eight minutes to get there. <laughs> That's pretty good going. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Generally, your boat eight odd and you'll lose three times as many. How? Bought a new boat back in April and just fitted it out with all new gear. Stumbled across a lot of fish on the side scan by accident. First of all I was uh, bait fishing and we are just drifting through and there's wrecks nearby and you swing past the wrecks and it's all flat bottom obviously around where the wrecks are and like rice grains come up on the on the sand I went oh there's nothing out here so that's got to be fish. The next time, like that was near the end of the trip, so next time I'm going to just do a bit of scanning and take a jig with me and drop down and see what happens. And 
what happened was Jewfish, pretty much. <laughs> what sort of jigs? I uh, usually use uh, gulps, seven-inch worms or jerk shad. Doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You drop it down on the school and you're on. So prior to that, you've been concentrating on structure sort of areas, but we're finding them more off now. 40 metres away from, at least, generally, yeah. I'd anchor with bait and drop down and the jewfish would come through and you get one or two here and there, you know. But now you find them on the side scan and you drop down and you're on. That's it. Yeah, they're just drifting through. I find them in random spots all the time. When I seen it, my eyes just lit up. I just couldn't believe I thought they were fish and I dropped the jig down and they were. There's they're hundreds down there. So what's your technique now? Normally it starts at home. You get about six rods because you get blasted non-stop. As soon as you come up to one of the wrecks, they're normally... Be- before the wrecks you have the down imaging as you're going along and yeah just they just come up on the sounder drop your jig down and that hit the self deploy so it pulls back onto the spot with a spot lock it's game on it's unbelievable and you'll get two or three out of that school normally i've always got like four rods on hand so i just drop the rod grab another one throw it down and you're on you you can't be bothered with tying a new lure on just pick up a new rod get back in there yeah yeah it's on for young and old when they're there so how long has this run been going for you, mate? Oh, since April, pretty much, yeah. I just stumbled across it and then just go out there and catch Jewfish <laughs> non-stop, pretty much. How many times have you reinforced and proven that this is an effective technique? Oh, it's 100% every time I've gone out. Never missed? Never missed. That's scientific fact then, Tim. That's established. Are those big schools always hanging around those Lee Point wrecks? Yes. All tides? Mainly on building neeps, yeah. Yep, is the ultimate time. The years of pain we've all suffered, yourself included, Chris, fishing like bloody cavemen Neanderthals, sitting on top of the wreck with squid and pillies, that's all over now. Yeah, that's, that, that's correct, yeah. Well, for me it is anyway. Like a couple of weeks ago I was there, there was four boats there, and they were just, what is this bloke doing? Cruising around, he's not anchored, just weaving in and out of them, stop, drop down, you're on. So, family not sick of Jewfish yet? Oh, not yet. i put most of them back. They don't suffer from barotrauma. How many on the most recent trip? In the boat, eight, and probably lost 20. Over what period of time? Two and a half hours, got sick of it, just went for a drive, catch some tuna, then come back and they were still there, and yeah, you get dewy arm after a while. <laughs> I say it again, man, you're a goddamn revolutionary. Good on you, Chris. And look at the biceps on you, mate. Hey, hey, hey. He's cut. Dewey arms. (laughs) Funny guys. Yeah, good on you, mate. No worries. Thank you. Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the tinny. Chris. Just cleaning up. It makes me feel so much like yesterday's man. A bit like you playing patience with Grandma Moore. <laughs> or there's that other, that yeah. tennis game, you know. Dunk, dunk. Oh, Atari. Dunk. That, that, that was a ripper. <laughs> Those were good days, Rob. Oh, spellbinding. They were, they were invigorating. You know, it's, it, it's like I've just discovered on, on my boat how to sharpen a stone and make a spear. Meanwhile... This sort of tech is being applied to side-scan massive schools of Dewey. Although there has been some serious discussion fishers, as you'd expect on Facebook, about barotrauma. Chris released a few of those fish, and the official advice from fisheries is to just be aware, even if they look to swim away fine, 50%, they reckon, from their studies of those released fish um, 
are likely to die from internal injuries if caught between 10 and 15 metres. So as much as possible, try to fish shallower than that. You can see the extraordinary picks on the numbers, though. If you know how to interpret a side scan, it, they're, they're mind-blowing, the, um, the sounder picks at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. G'day, Dave Krantz here. Uh, just picked up a new boat recently and sort of had the great pleasure of christening it over the weekend. Set off pretty early in the morning uh, with my son and uh, mate of mine, Keith Watson, on board. Uh, headed out towards North Gutter. Didn't actually get there for quite a while because we ran into a lot of tuna along the way and a few schools of Max and things like that as well. So all in all, pretty good day out. Ended up with probably half a dozen reasonable Max, a uh, whole lot of Mac tuna which were mixed in with a couple of long tails that we caught. Uh, got a couple of Trevally, donated you know, about $300 worth of jigs to mackerel. Uh, got comprehensively outfished by a child. Yeah, look, getting smashed on the numbers of fish by your own son using an outfit that you've bought him recently that's not quite as good as your own because you don't trust him with your own stuff is, uh, you know, it's a proud moment for any parent and also one that makes them extremely angry. So, uh, well, you know, we'll have to see how that goes as far as uh, punishments over the next week or so. <laughs> I like to remind him whose boat it is and remind him that he doesn't necessarily have a guaranteed spot on the boat and also remind him whose gear he's using and whose lures he's using. I actually restricted him to just one lure, the cheapest one I had on board, and uh, that didn't work either because he caught you know, a dozen fish on that and it came back completely sandpapered free of any markings or paint. Well, I meanwhile donated a whole lot of more pricey jigs to mackerel that snipped me off. Let's just say that Marty, my young fella, he is an enormous smart ass, and so when he was smashing me on the fish, which I was putting him onto, I might add, uh, it was a constant stream of sledging coming from the front of the boat. It became common for him to hook up, turn around and notice that I wasn't hooked up, and then he would suggest that maybe some tackle or technique tips to me. Uh, but at one point he did shout out to me and suggest to me, uh, hey, hey, maybe you'd like this lure the one that I've caught all the fish on. To which I responded, why don't you get <laughs> Little bit of me wants to say that's a little bit harsh, David. A little bit of me wants to say, yes, Marty. Obviously, that relationship is in foment. Yes, it is. The, the fact that David can actually use that sort of language and that tone with his son indicates that the son is maturing. Mm. But the son is maturing to a, a point where the protege is becoming the master. D Dave asking himself, no doubt, who am I? If, I? if I cannot outfish my son... Why am I here? Why am I here? My job, maybe in the evolutionary scale, in the scheme, is done. I have passed on my wisdom to yeah. my progeny. And I'm done. It's time for me to die. Yes, my sperm is no longer fertile. It's no longer swimming. Now, I will bring out a, a deck of cards to play patience and my iPad to watch Downtown Abbey aboard the boat as my son skippers me and provides for the family by catching all the fish. And I take out my teeth and do that funny chewing thing. <laughs> Struggling as many fathers do. 
with redundance as he ages, Dave Krentz. The tough battle between pride and shame all mixed up into a confusing melting pot. We feel for you, David. But it's funny. It is funny. Tales from the Tinny. So as we move on from the vicarious hilarity of the David Krantz, or the Krantz family situation. The, the family so often provides, like the Hubbles, a fair bit of vicarious hilarity. There's so much giving. <laughs> so giving. We move back to the classroom for the second installation of the riveting masterclass. The second semester. The second semester. Just come back from dry season break. So you need to be focused, students. Look forward. Turn your phone off. Five L's, mate. Get off face ache. What's five L's? Uh, hands in lap. Listening. Lips closed. And something and something. Is this from your university days? This is from preschool. What's really frustrating is the preschooler learns the five L's at preschool and then mum uses those five L's to recite to me. <laughs> Daddy! Five L's, hands in lap, listening, lips closed, looking at the person speaking. That's number four. Yeah. Right, while you get your L's sorted, we return to the classroom <laughs> and Josh assessing the marlin size and numbers associated with this quite amazing billfish season in the top end. We used to catch a lot of very small marlin, two to three kilos. You might catch ten a season. This last couple of trips that we've been out there, you know, I, I had one on the day before that might have been 50-odd, and we got one that was 30, and then I had another one grab one on the back of a teaser and ripped the teaser fish in half, you know, ripped the diamond-scale mullet in half, so, which might have been in that 50-kilo bracket. So they're fish we don't traditionally see. And even the size of the sailfish are, are bigger, you were saying, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The average size of your sail might be 17 to 20 kilos. I think the biggest one on the tape that we've caught this year was 27 kilos, so, which is a good sail for here. Certainly with what we've experienced with the fish this year, they're hungry. They actually want to eat. And even the singles that we have had up, even if you've had a shot at them on one bait, they'll even seem to come back and have a go on a second bait. Uh, we had one trip... In the last fish we got, the fish actually ate three baits. We actually heard, hooked it on the third one. But while it was coming up on the second one, I was still free-spooling it. And I saw it come up on the second one and I went, oh, no. Because normally in a competition, you're not allowed, can't eat two baits. But free-fishing, it's no dramas. And I, I wound into it thinking that the belly and the line would set the circle hook. But it didn't. I actually ran right up to the fish and it came up and I actually watched my gar come straight out of its mouth. And then it just went up and ate the other one. You have a hooked fish and you get it close to the boat and one of its mates comes up with it and you get the opportunity to throw it to a fish six feet away and watch the sail actually eat a garfish that's just floating in the water. You're not even trolling. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's visually... This type of fishing visually is spectacular. It's hard not to be excited, but you forget about the four hours of seeing nothing before it. (laughs) It's exciting if that is the case, that that western water has moved closer. It's brought more fish with it, bigger fish, and allowed more fishos to access it. How long might it last, though? To be honest with you, I thought it'd be all over by now already. Normally, by the time we get our first lots of heavy southeasters, you might get a month after that. The water off Dundee tends to go greeny coloured. And I'm sure you, you'll still catch fish, but they're not there in the numbers that they are earlier in the year. And I reckon that 
this year somehow that water hasn't been there or it's not as bad as what it was. And I always figured it wasn't from Dundee because the area of land or shallow water to get there can't turn the water that bad that quickly. Mm. So it's got to come from somewhere else. This time, it seems the water has stayed very good. My last trip, I don't reckon the water was as good as it has been for the last two months before that. As someone who's targeted billfish in these waters for near on a decade, what are a couple of simple pieces of advice for people who want to get out and chase them in a smaller boat for the first time? Oh, look, now with the advent of social media, what you need to do, how you rig your gear and what you get out makes it pretty simple. You know, back when I did it, <laughs> you had to grab one, another fellow who's done plenty of it and show you everything that was there. And, and I was lucky enough to latch onto a fellow who did that. And then you adapt. You're right before you go on, mate. Give him a bit of kick. <laughs> yeah, so that's Wayne Ball when he works with fisheries now. But uh, I did a lot of fishing with Ballsy in the early days and we went over to Broome. But that was my first experience chasing sailfish and it just started the rot and it all went on from there. But... Um, but, yeah, obviously the way that you rig your gars and also the difference in, in fishing for billfish is it's, it's visual and the extended period of a bite. So when you fish for a barrow, you get a bang, the elation of hooking a fish happens very quickly and then you're away. When a billfish comes into your spread, you tend to see it. It comes up, you actually watch it eat the, the bait and then you tend to free spool it for anything up to 10 seconds or so. And then you flip it, everything into gear and hope it comes tight. And once it does come to you don't strike, it's a matter of letting everything come together. Once that billfish starts coming up and jumping around, you can't help but yahooing and carrying on, you know, even when you're not on a fish. From your and Ballsy's experience then, what's your absolute ideal preferred bait and rig technique? Uh, I would always have a swimming coiny in the spread. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's not necessarily just for sale. That's more, if I had a go-to bait for marlin, that's what I'd have. Most of the big marlin I've ever hooked are all on swimming coinies. And a oceanic gar, not the gars you catch in the estuaries, just the one you catch on the reefs. They've got spots on them, whether they're one spot, two spot, four spot that goes in there. But those ones are then done with a skirt or balls he had made, and he started quite a while ago. We used to make a cork push ahead that went on front of the gars. What size queenies? Anything from probably 300 to 700 long. Just with a, I run a loose chin rig sinker on the front where you pull them down underneath and then a circle hook swim and maybe 50 mil in front of it. So you want, you want that fish to actually eat it. Now, I got, a, I got a big sail last year up in the trench that might have gone 50 kilos, but it ate a coiny that might have been 600 mil long. I don't know how it got it down. <laughs> it's been a goddamn clinic, Josh Kerr. It has been a clinic. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Hey, no problem at all. Pleasure. Josh Kerr there with the second part of that informative installation. He has mean, he's added meaning to my day and I think my life, Tim. Well, as we've learnt, because Josh Kerr is still fishing, he is, he is something. He has meaning. He's flicked the coin of luck and fate and it's landed this week in his favour. I am! Yeah. But remember, fishers, that life, like the tides, is just an ebb and flow of, of good and bad luck a lot of the time can change in but an instant. So thanks to the poor bastards this week, that's you Brad Watson, Matt Kell, to a certain extent Warren DeWitt, he's kind of sitting on the, balancing on the precipice, and Dave Krantz. <laughs> oh, that'd be difficult balancing on the precipice on his poor bruised ass. Tim. And David Krantz of course, those who, who are going to have to do some soul searching about who they are if they are not fishing. And to those on the more fortunate side of the coin toss this week, Chris Paris, the Jewfish Control Officer, M Melville, and Josh Kerr, 
and of course to uh, to you, Fishos, for joining in right throughout the week, through all the various forms. Be at ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook, via email at fishing at abc.net.au, or just via thirteen hundred mart. That's about it for the Tinny this week. We'll be back in the saddle. In the meantime, you know what to do. You get a mullet. You know, well, you know.